Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. This is Father Richard Kuntz along with Cindy Jennings coming to you from the beautiful Diocese of Duluth in the city of Duluth at St. James Catholic Church, which is my parish. And you are here on Real Presence Live. It's good to have all of our listeners, and we're looking forward to another really good show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Father I'm going to open with prayer. Is that all right? Yes, of course. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Spirit upon us as we start a new uh, edition of Real Presence Live, be with our guests and with uh, us hosts as well, but mostly the listeners, that whatever is heard from our show for the listeners will be for the greater glory of God and for their benefit for eternal salvation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Cindy, how's it? Well, I know that you had a kind of a crazy night. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit yeah. uh, later in the show. I kind of I kind of had a crazy night too, a little bit different than you. And so maybe if we we have the call in segment that uh, is a little slow, maybe we can share a little bit about that. But uh, I didn't get much sleep last night. How about you? I didn't either. Okay, no, so this so we're kind of punting on we're kind of punting on this show. I think I, I don't know what the combination of a uh, percentage of hours of we had of sleep last night, but I didn't get very many. No, and it interrupted sleep, even if you get. Yeah. Some solid doesn't right. work, right? For obviously very different reasons, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So, um, uh, are you excited about the kids starting off in school here pretty quick? Oh my gosh, yes! Because you've had Super them in school excited. for how? I mean, how, how long? When did they come home? When was the last time they had a class? Do you remember? Uh, March seventh, March fifteenth, because it was, was right it before St. Patrick's Day. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So March fifteenth. So wow, it's yeah. been like a really extended summer vacation in some ways. In some ways, it maybe. Is. Oh, yeah. I, it's time for them to get back because I'm such a great person when I get them half the time. Oh, so, Otherwise it, I, I so get, it makes you, for <laughs> your kids being in school, it makes you a better person? It makes me a better person because really? I get more of a break. I'm not constantly. Right. So so right now, because going. it's been since March and we're now in September, September 1st, so you're you're not nearly as good as you can be right now. No. Because it's been since March since no, you've had the kids. No, I'm worse. you think I would actually have more things done, but I don't. I actually drop the ball. So is, right. so is, it, is it more difficult to be around you with is it more difficult to be around? Yeah, me? I mean, are you, you're you're uh, a better person without the kids when you get your halftime break sort of thing. Yeah, well, for the kids because I get mad that they won't pick up after themselves. Oh, you no, know, it just well, that's a mom. It's draining. That's and a so mom it's thing. Draining times too because they're there all the time and then right. they're fighting. So it's a uh, mentally breaks you, mean you down. It's not peace and nirvana at the Jennings household. No, it is not. And my house is not clean, so there you go, oh. everybody. All right, well, there you go. That's, <laughs> my that's house fine. is not perfect, and my kids aren't perfect, and I can accept that. I'm sure that all of our listeners can can uh, relate to that. <laughs> oh, and I'm not perfect. I meant to say oh, that, too. Well, I, was wait- I was actually waiting for you to say that, but it didn't come, so <clears throat> I don't know whether to tease that out to get you to say that or not. Yeah, God's got us, though, so whatever happens, we're... Right. God's will right. will be done. Well, there's a lot of excitement, obviously, about the beginning of school. Lots of controversy, too. You know, I mean, there's a, in the Catholic sco- schools around here, we're going five days a week, and the public schools are very, very different. And so, as a result of that, we are get, actually getting 
In fact, the, our principal here at St. James Campus for Stella Mars just told me this morning that for Stella Mars, which is our three, it's three, it's one school with three locations in the city of Duluth. We have 120 new kids this year. Oh. That's crazy. That's great. I just I mean, don't think we should have done that, though. Why? Well, because uh, it's taking away from the small class sizes and we're no, maxing out. No, we have to have them small. And so actually all of our class sizes are, we have a more of a cap now than we did back then. We have a cap of only 16 no kid, there can't be a classroom with more than sixteen kids. Then how are we accepting so many? Because more? we're we're using other classrooms that were used for like art or music. Oh, so we hired other teachers We've like to do like teachers. two teachers exactly. for. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's I not the class sizes; they're not bigger; they're wow. smaller. Okay. Anyhow, we can talk <laughs> more about nice. that as we get um, uh, as we get a little bit um, uh, closer to to the call in segment. But we know people will be calling in. But uh, that's in a half hour. Until then, we have a great guest who's a little bit nervous, Bruce Yankoviak, who's a a former parishioner of mine, so just we want to put that out there that uh, everybody be um, very kind to Bruce because Bruce, how's it going? Good morning. It's good. Uh, so far, so good. My <laughs> first words on radio ever. <laughs> oh, so you've never had a radio experience? No. Okay. Okay. So this is a good. This is a good thing. So it's, check it off your bucket it, yeah, list. It, yep. It's a. It's. It's. You're uh, being. Uh, you're being pushed and pulled for growth here. So it's a good thing. So I'm glad that you're on the air, Bruce. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I was uh, born and raised in a small town of Amora, Minnesota, East Central Minnesota. I'm the oldest of 10 kids. My uh, youngest brother is uh, 24 years younger than I am. Wow. So oh, guess wow. what church we went to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a mistake. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I remember my grandmother, she wanted me to be a priest. And the closest thing I got was a tour of the Crozier oh, okay. uh, Seminary in, in Onamia, which is sure. north of Amora. But I did become a altar boy, and I learned a little Latin. Yeah. And uh, and so you're married, right? Maggie is your wife. Right, right. Want to make sure we yeah, make sure yeah. we want. Oh, I got that right there. Okay. <laughs> Don't want to. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a chronological. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my mother, she made sure we went to confession every Saturday and uh, say our prayers and. I don't know, I was just a tall, skinny kid, uh, living a farm kid, actually, living on a farm, and uh, um, I learned how to work hard. And after high school, I attended the University of Minnesota for on and off for about a little over three years, and I went to a lot of other schools and worked at a lot of different jobs, volunteering, and uh, eventually I became a land surveyor. And in 1981, I uh, married my wife, Maggie, and we had two sons, John and Mark. And we attend now St. Joseph's of Gneisen. Yep, that's my old parish. Yeah, which was uh, actually founded by uh, Polish immigrants, so we fit right in. Yeah, 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 Kowiak sounds like it's a name that fits. Uh, so... Um, you had this amazing experience that we want to talk about. But before I get to that, tell us a little bit about um, how you viewed life before this experience. Okay, that, uh, that would be, a, I was 54, so I'd settled down quite a bit. You know, a lot different from my 20s. But uh, yeah, I just was working hard to support my family, and uh, I spent my leisure time outdoors, you know, hunting, fishing, cutting wood, landscaping. And I went to Mass and and uh, just usually just every Sunday. And then. Um, so you guys were a strong faith family, even yeah, with your two boys. Like Maggie, you and the boys went to Mass every Sunday. Yeah, and occasionally I'd read the Bible. And uh, you know, I didn't think about death 
very often, and uh, there was no feeling of urgency. I mean, there, there's always tomorrow. So what, what happened when you were 54? Maybe ex- explain to us, what was your, what was your physical uh, trauma that you had? What, what was going on? Okay. Oh, that was, <laughs> it was, that was like 18 years ago, but uh, it was uh, evening of, uh, it was a Wednesday evening, May 8th, 2002. And uh, I was getting, sorting all my fishing gear. I was getting ready to go opening a walleye fish on Saturday. And I felt this pressure in my chest. It was kind of unusual. And, and it got to the point where, uh, you know, I, I felt like I got to lay down. You know, so I went to the bedroom. Of course, Maggie comes along and says, what's wrong? And I, thought, I told her, and she says, I'm calling an ambulance. And I says, no, you're not. You know, it's just indigestion. So it's probably a missed lesson there. You know, guys, listen to your wives. Yeah. They're actually right sometimes. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> so uh, I survived the night, and the next morning I went to work. I was a land surveyor for the Minnesota Department of Transportation in Duluth. And, uh, you know, the picture that the pressure uh, came back, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm only 54. I don't smoke. I'm, you know, pretty good shape. And, and uh, two months prior to that, I had got my annual physical past that, and then... A month before that, I went on a, a camping ice fishing trip in the BWCA. Where so I, you thought I, you were in good shape? Yeah, I was pulling a sled five miles one yeah. way, and then a week before, I went to a bunch of land surveyors who climbed Eagle Mountain. I don't know why they call them mountains, and yeah. my grand Ray is only 2,300 feet, but you know, I did that. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm kind of like a denial, you know. But then around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I got these uh, severe pains going down my arms. And, oh, I, I remember that. That could be a sign of heart problems. And so uh, I said, well, I better drive down the hill to St. Luke's Hospital. So at this point, Maggie wasn't with you. No, no I'm at okay. work. Okay, all, right, okay. all right, so you go down to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, on the way out to the, my truck out in the parking lot, I had to stop twice to catch my breath. Another sign. Mm-hmm. And uh, years later, I, I learned that there's a little vice uh if that ever starts to happen to you, you can cough real hard, and it's like a self-CPR, mm. and you can might buy you a few minutes, you know. Yeah. So I got down to the hospital, and, and I asked the first employee, I saw, where's the ER? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they got me in the ER right away, and uh, I was still kind of embarrassed. I said, oh, you know, just indigestion. And uh, so they gave me some um, thick, milky stuff to drink, and it didn't help. And the gals that were hooking me up, they said, your hands are like ice and your feet are like ice. Mm-hmm. And that means your body's shutting down. You know, you don't yeah. have much time left. So I just barely made it. Yeah. So then the, then the pains got even worse. And then, then you knew it wasn't indigestion. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> At that point, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm kind of stubborn guy. You know? yeah. so, uh, it takes a while to get through to me. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So then, I mean, did you have, so we're talking about for the listeners' uh, sake is that, uh, Bruce had a near-death experience, at least what we traditionally call a near-death experience. And, and you know, I tend to be somewhat cynical of stuff like that, but Bruce, you kind of made me a little bit of a believer because of how it has impacted you. And I was your pastor for 11 years, and so I know you fairly well in your faith life. And and so maybe speak a little bit about the, the what we'd call, the, for the lack of a better term, your near-death experience. What happened? What did yeah. you experience? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, well, the... the 
I was still laying there in the ER, and they, then they put a, a nitroglycerin underneath my tongue, and the pain just got worse. And so then I just, I just felt myself going numb, and I just said, something's happening. So the next thing I knew, <laughs> I was, found myself in this warm, golden light. You know, it was very peaceful, no pain. And when I say I, I don't know who I was. I mean, uh, my, my body's about to get electrocuted <laughs> in the ER there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, maybe there's like a bilocation. I mean, like a Padre Pio, he could be in two places yeah. at once. I, I have no idea what who but, I was. I didn't have yeah. a mirror. So. <laughs> but you're not that holy as Padre Pio. So you probably weren't doing the bilocation thing. So so you, so what did you see in this experience of yours? So then next thing I saw this group of people all dressed in long white robes. And they were all motioning me to come to them. And uh, I knew who every one of them was. I recognized them all. And when I came to, I'd forgotten. And I often wonder, why did I forget? Was my saintly grandmother not there? Or was there somebody there that's still alive? You know, and that's the article you wrote 10 years ago about mm-hmm. uh, semi-eternity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where there's no time. Right. In heaven. And so that just kind of boggles your so mind. So how long, how long did it seem like this experience lasted? Whatever the experience was, how, how long do you think it lasted? Oh, well, as long as it took the guy to put the paddles on me. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a, so one of the things that I hear about people that have the quote-unquote near-death experience is that, that they see, it's like they, they're in the room, they can see their body. Did you have that experience? I actually had that after I came home from after surgery. I was I, I don't I won't sleep on my back anymore. After that. I, oh. I says I was laying there and I was I'm up on the ceiling looking down at me. And I just, <gasps> took a big breath of so air. So, so it didn't happen there, no. Right, right. So okay, so um, uh, so then what happened? I, so you're having this experience. You're seeing people that you recognize. Then what happens? Then the the best the best of all it was uh, I felt this love. That there's just there's just no words. You just can't describe it. Uh, you know, it was God's love. I used to make weak attempts at analogy, like of all the love you've ever felt in the world with a grain of sand. Well, God's love is all the sand in the world and the universe, you know. But it just, uh, yeah, yeah there's just. I, I think he actually had to be dead to experience that. I mean, if you're alive, you just died from joy. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna actually. That's something I want to uh, touch on maybe after our break. So we're gonna go to a break right now. We've been uh, talking to Bruce Yankoviak about his experience of a near-death experience, and we'll be uh, getting back to him with some more questions right after this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible. and We hope the future brings you here, close to home at mountmarty.edu. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. 
We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. How do you know when someone may be contemplating suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. This person will often exhibit certain warning signs, indicators such as their talk, like killing themselves or having no purpose in life, their behavior, like drug abuse, withdrawal from others, or abnormal sleep patterns, or their mood, like being depressed or having anxiety, can all be warning signs. So mental health professionals are now encouraging you to engage in dialogue with those who appear to be at risk. By talking openly about suicide, asking if they are okay, and listening to their feelings, you may save their life. To find out more, please visit suicideandhope.com. So I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Richard Kunst, along with my co-host Cindy Jennings, coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth. We've been talking to a former parishioner of mine, Bruce Yankoviak, about his experience that he had in regards to what we'd call a near-death experience. At least that's the term that most people um, uh, uh, use for this. And, and like I, I, I made reference to this a little bit in the first half of our segment, is that I tend to be a little bit more cynical about stuff like that, but... But uh, my getting to know Bruce made me a, a bit more of a believer and uh, in, in how it's changed. And we'll get that to, to that in just a little bit. But one thing, Bruce, I just want to hit on just a little bit that you said right before we went to, to the break. You said something to the fact of you couldn't experience this love unless you were dead. Right. It was kind of a, I'm glad that you said that. Because, you know, I mean, the thing is that that's very biblical. You know, if you think back, especially in the Old Testament, well, it's primarily, primarily only the Old Testament, where... Where if somebody had this, you had the sense that if you saw God, you would die. Nobody could see God and live. You remember hearing about oh, parts that? Yeah. So, so you know, sometimes people misunderstand that. It's like if you saw God, it would kill you. That's not it at all. So our souls are made for God. That's the sole purpose why we have souls, is to be with God in heaven. And so as one priest, I remember explaining it to me one time, which I thought was great. It's kind of like a magnet. If you had a big magnet and you're the paperclip and God's the magnet... It's that you're just drawn to him because your soul is made for that. Not that you would die because you see God and that that's a bad thing. You die because your soul was made for God, and so you'd automatically go up to God like a magnet. And so that was like the Old Testament biblical image of seeing God, and then you would die. And so it, it, I mean, it just dovetails perfectly with what you were saying, that what you experienced, this experience of love that you had, you couldn't experience it unless you were dead. And that was your experience. So it's like, to me, that was just very... That was very enlightening to me. I'm glad, I'm glad that you said that. Okay, so now you had the triple bypass. And right, what right. happened and, and, after and, that? And one thing, too, I mentioned was uh, when I came to, you know, the, the guy that shocked me back, he was really pale. And I, was first, I was the first guy he's ever done that to. But I, I got I actually had new pain. It was uh, that paddle leaves a burn mark. Yeah. I, had, I had that the, the outside of it the, for weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I was... 
Yeah, I had this, and, and I wasn't afraid. That's the one thing. I wasn't nervous. I could care less. I mean, what's what's the worst thing going to happen? Uh, die in the surgery, and, and I get to go back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. That's just, you know. So, yeah, it's. Uh, so spiritually, like, what? How did you feel after the bypass? Yeah, that was. Uh, I was home. Uh, I, I like to start out with just uh, reading from the Second Corinthians chapter twelve, my, one of my favorite chapters. You know, Paul said. For my power is greatest when you are weak. And I think that uh, power could mean uh, maybe receptive to supernatural uh, faith. Anyway, I was home alone, wounded. You know, I just couldn't do much. And it was a, kind of a cool, calm day. I opened up the window, just a crack. And I put on the CD my sister had sent me. It was a guy by Michael W. Smith. Never heard of him. It's contemporary gospel. I was really into that. And it was just background music. And... I was reading the newspaper, and all of a sudden this big gust of wind came through the window and just about blew the paper out of my hands. And then it's like I heard, I mean, I actually heard the words that were playing just then. And it said, I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened. I just, I, found, I was on my knees, and the tears were just pouring out of me. And it was like... And I'm not an emotional guy. I was just, I, I, know, I don't know what happened there. And after that, I, I was, I became like a human jukebox. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, especially during uh, when I was stressed out at work and that these these hymns would come into my head, and I couldn't stop them. And it was some were even in Polish. I was just, I never knew which one. And it was, it was just kind of a wonderful time. But I really thought that I might be losing it. You know? <laughs> And then I started having, I guess, I had more of a risky behavior. You know, I was the first guy to drive my truck out on the ice to go ice fishing. You know, oh, ice cracking all you around. You didn't care about the death I, thing. Anymore. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just. <laughs> Let me ask but, you. but that was that was kind of a dangerous time, you know, and and uh, yeah, just. Uh, Bruce, let me ask you this question: If if Maggie, your wife, was here right now, and I asked Maggie, I'm, I'm sure she's listening. If I asked Maggie. What was different about Bruce before the bypass versus the Bruce after the bypass? What would she say? I don't know. I think I was probably a lot more patient with people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I really got into, like, the, the Bible, the good news. I mean, I started reading Scripture again. I said, I've never read this before. I said... It, it really, really is the good news, yeah. and I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, uh, I mean, I went back to work, and I even helped start a Bible study class. Yeah. For, and it was, that was, uh, I was the only Catholic so, there. And, so uh, so you, grew, you grew up faithful Catholic family, large Catholic family, and, and went to church and stuff. But like you said, it's like, you know, so you went through the motions maybe, and you were faithful to it. But then after this experience, after this near-death experience that you had, faith, like, opened up for you. Right. It was just, it was just a wonderful time. I mean, I, I just really liked it. And in um, this risky behavior, I even saw a psychologist. It was just, you know, it didn't do any good. But it wasn't <laughs> until I, I read some uh, quotes, one by uh, Pope John the Twenty-Third. He said, he neither feared to die nor refused to live. And St. Therese of Lisieux said it even better. 
I do not desire to die more than to live is what he wants that I love. And yep. that really helped me. That's uh, So would you say that your prayer life has greatly improved as a result oh of this? Oh, my. Thanks for Deacon Walt. You know, I learned how to do the Liturgy of the Hours. I said that morning oh, and night so and, and night prayer and, and, and all my devotionals each day. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. And I'm outside. You know, you know, I almost cut my cut my leg with a chainsaw. Thank you, God. You know, it's like He's always there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like talking to him like a friend. You know. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, is that what we all should be like? You know, we shouldn't have to have a near death experience to be able to engage with our spirituality and our relationship with God. You know, but, or have so that faith because that faith is you don't know what it's like to give it to God until you hit that situation, right. and then you're like, oh. Have I'm going to go ice fishing. You're like you just know you trust he's got you. Bruce, have you talked to anybody else that's had a similar experience? No, I, uh, I went back to work. I, that's the first time I told somebody about my experience. You had a near death experience. I, I remember hearing people go through a tunnel, but I did a little research, and you know, like the first guy I ever did he had one similar. But yeah, there's a lot of common elements mm-hmm. I know, but I've never actually personally talked to anybody ever. Right. It's, it's important to know, you know, I mean, when we use the, I mean, as I started off earlier on, I, I'm kind of cynical about the terminology near-death experience because it's really not a death experience. A lot of people I, think it is death, but it's not death because no. you came back. Right. So, you know, I mean, as I'm sure you probably gather that death itself would be very different than even what your experience was. And so a near-death experience, from a theological side of point, we would say that, that God allows certain people to have an experience near death for, for whatever whatever God's plan is in that. And so there's too many people that have had similar experiences to write it off as being nonsensical. So we know that there's something to it. But what what is God's role in it? And, just, and what does God have with the intention with it? I suspect for each person it's different. But So God allowed you to have this near-death experience for you to come back and maybe to be on Real Presence Radio and a whole bunch of other things and to be and to be uh, an example for people in the faith because for for what you truly are because I mean as being your former pastor for uh, over a decade I know your faith and I know how strong it is and and how much that can be uh, help because of your experience helping other people in their walk. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, God's in charge. You know that's uh, yeah that brings up my next phase of my life. Uh, you know, my surgeon told me you, uh, he says God never meant veins to be arteries you know he's they took veins on my legs for the bypass he said you got 10 years that's what he <laughs> so, told you yeah. how, long, how long ago was that uh, well it was 18 years ago i yeah. said yeah i said i got the last laugh on him but yeah, yeah. but he uh but anyway uh but actually after nine years i did have a stroke mild stroke but anyway so i figured well i'll work five more years and i get to retire for five years so right after i retired i became a hospice volunteer that's the mm-hmm. best work oh, wow. i've ever had in my life i mean working people that are in the process of dying right yeah i go i go to their their homes and help where it's needed it's always like god lets me know what do you ever do you ever talk to them about your experience oh yeah yeah the ones that you know most of them that, that really does seem to calm people down you know and uh i mean my last patient was a monsignor from superior and, okay. and i told him he says wow <laughs> so, hmm. and uh yeah, over the last 12 plus years, you know, I've had the privilege of helping over 50 guys on their final journey. And they say the most fertile of all missionary fields is the deathbed. So yeah, I, absolutely. I believe that. And I like that. I've never heard that before. Really? And, uh, you know, God has used me in a lot of different ways. And, and I say I have lots of wonderful, I call them God incidences. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. not a word, I don't think. Right. But, yeah. but there's a, 
Yeah, just to me, I'm just amazed sometimes what how things work out. And I suspect that if you didn't have this near-death experience, that things would have been very different. I mean, your everything about you'd probably be different. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I was all that comfortable with death before. Now I, I'm like I'm attracted to it. Yeah. Well, even Saint Paul, Saint Paul references that. Even Saint Paul talks about that, about being attracted to death. Really. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He says, "I don't know what I want. Would I? Do I want to stay here? Or do I want to be with him in, in heaven? You know, it's like both are good. You know, and and so uh, it's it, your experience certainly is um, uh, one that I think Saint Paul could relate to because even we have some sense that he had an experience somewhat similar to yours. Bruce, if uh, do you have any last thoughts? We have about a minute, about a minute left. A little yeah, minute left. yeah, I do. Uh, I like to just put in a plug for uh, a couple. Uh, one one. Uh, YouTube video, you know, it, it really brought me back to my experience. It was called the uh, Saint Saint Faustina's uh, Vision of the Afterlife. They have a glimpse of heaven. I watched many, many times. I actually tear up when I watch it. It's similar to your experience, right? Uh, well, you have to read it, then, but then you have the Vision of Hell, which is twice yeah. as long. But I, right. I fast forward that. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of excerpts from her diary. But anyway, yeah, I says in conclusion. I guess I'm, I'm no saint. Ask my wife. <laughs> And so there's hope in God's grace and mercy. I pray that we would all realize how much God loves us and how much he wants us to spend eternity with him. Yeah. I thought to the definition of hope is a conviction of God's love. Yeah. I guess I never heard that. I mean, right. But they're, they're, and I, that's what I think this world is lacking, is, Absolutely. is hope. It's, yep, and it's all and if, about it. And people just, if they just realize how much God does love them. Right. And he wants to, you know, just wants you to be in journey with yeah. him. And uh, Bruce, I want to uh, thank you for being here. Um, see, it wasn't as bad as you thought. You were a little bit nervous, but you know, Bruce, you did a great job, and and your story is a compelling one. And so that's why I'm glad that you came on the air with us. And uh, obviously, the the experience you had impacted you greatly. And so, um, uh, just thanks for being here on Real Presence Live. I'm sure listeners yeah, thank you. Uh, appreciated amazing. that. Uh, Coming up after we're done with uh, Bruce or after this break, anyhow, we're going to be having your opportunity to call in for questions about the faith. Straight talk with uh, yours truly, Father Richard Kunst, after we're done with this break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 